0: in my She has a lot of She bi
2: Hoy, Mona, you know what's a home and Na seven Show me your-
3: sabai <speaking> raci <in> sabai veki dashtai das yo mi oi sai koraso sei Good <laughs> sabasa no english goa sifro kareya ani fowa yauna mata foma nawya nu khuyegi ekawa i am nephar the nay amune is hearing the shamro avasubandh opakrishna lukos and be i am koa yauna mata i
4: i sure. sure. sure.
5: Show n'im can Nikdagsh, ciebo navod kho, bishom navod kho Don't be my only
1: J.M. in the A.M. Eitan Freilich with Hamalach. Shei Bonnet done by Ellie Marcus. Schwebel, Sharf, and Levine had Yonah Matza. Hamalach from Dveikis. Hamalach from David Gabe. Yonatan Sheinfeld and Kulani Yachad. Yoni Ziz Manaase. Uh, Yismichu done by the Waterbury folks. Mordechai Shapiro's Lacha. Tseishem, that was the Nochi Crone Band. Aaron Razel with Yom Shabboson. And, of course, Regesh. Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this January the 1st of 2021. Happy 2021, everybody. Now that 2020 is gone, it's been gone in this area for almost seven hours. Let's hope the difficulties and challenges of 2021 are coming to an abrupt close as well. That would be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) That would be very nice. The 1st of January, the 17th day in the month of Teves, the year 5781, Tufshin Pei Aleph. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. We close out the book of Breshas. It seems like yesterday when we started Bracious a week after Simchas Torah. Anyway, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. Candlelighting time in New York is 419. 419 is your candlelighting time here in New York City. And, um, 36 degrees, 65% humidity winds. And make sure you know when things start where you are. That's what I wanted to say. 36 degrees, 65% humidity winds in north at seven miles per hour periods of rain and a high of 44. Then tonight rain, low 41. Then tomorrow morning clouds, afternoon sun, high temperature of 55 degrees. Wow. That's pretty warm. That's good. Your Lime is at 60. We're at 36 in New York City. As we say good morning on a Friday, J.M. in the A.M. It's New Year's Day. Lots of people with the day off. Enjoy if you have it off. And thanks to those of you who are tuned in no matter where you are. Maybe people who took some time off this week for vacation. Like I did yesterday. I want to thank Mayor Weingarten. Thank you, Mayor Weingarten, for what I've been told was a superb J.M. in the A.M. presentation. It has raised the bar for people like me. To come back and do a good job. So thank you very much, Mayor. Much appreciated. A big thank you to Mark Zomick. You'll hear the uh, Erev Shabbos show again coming up at, uh, Erev Shabbos show will be coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern time. 10 a.m. Eastern time brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Erev Shabbos music mix all day brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Final hour at about 3.15 this afternoon Eastern time brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Remember The final hour is already archived, so if Shabbos starts earlier where you are, you can have your final hour together with us just earlier than we normally would have it. (laughs) Um, Table for two is coming up. Donnie Klein, founder of Yeah, That's Kosher, and Debbie Sandler, creator of Joy of Chalov, will be Naomi's guests at 9 o'clock. Yeah, full day. Full day, as you would suspect, here at the Nahum Siegel Network on a Friday, or any day, frankly. I want to thank everybody who responded so nicely on the final day of the year to our uh, to our plea for um, uh, for uh, FJBunity.org. Those of you out there who were so nice um, to donate and to be uh, included in our year-end donations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We did really, really nicely yesterday. Wrapped up the year beautifully, and I want to thank all of you who had a role in that, those of you who came through for us. Thank you. Really sincere thank you. Uh, let's check out what's happening on the uh, NSN app. Uh, let's see what we got here. By the way, you can go to the app. Go to the NSN, Home Segal Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Let's see who has January 1st comments. Listener Eliyahu writes at 1.36 a.m. Good songs happening here. Someone named Katzman says happy 12th birthday to Yonatan. Want to wish him a healthy and happy year. He especially loves listening to you, Nahum, every Friday on our way back from shopping at Shuk Machane Yehuda in Yerushalayim. (laughs) Have a great Shabbos. That's, of course, Yael and Aaron Katzman. Thank you guys very, very much. And happy 12th birthday. Yonatan's got a big year coming up. Happy 12th birthday. And um, listener Yiddish says, good morning. Can you play Birchas, Avicha, and Hamalach, both from David Gabayi? David Gabe, rather, this week's Parsha song. So we did do the Hamalach from David Gabe. We'll see if we can get to the other one. Um, let's see how easy or difficult it is to find that one um, from David Gabe. See if we can get that on the air for you here at JM in the AM. Uh, six minutes to go before 7 o'clock. News from Israel, Harry Rothenberg, Parsha's Vayechi, Malcolm Honline will join us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. will do the weekly update. Rabbi Yudin, of course, with words about Vayechi. Lots going on between now and 9 a.m. on the very first day of 2021 here at JM in the AM.
4: of Gavru Av Bircho'i Sohi Rai Av Atavats
0: Atavats
4: Givoy Sohi Lom Bircho'i Sovichot Gavru aur vir
1: David with Birchas Avicha. JM in the AM, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web and and the Al-Sigle network and, of course, and the beloved NSN app. Galitzao in the background. Galitzao, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Follows next, we say Tov from JM in the AM.
6: גריצה לשעה 2 שלום רב כן אל אזר בן לולו אם מה שקורה עכשיו מניין מתחסנים נגד קורונה בישראל חצה את רף המיליון ראש הממשלה נתניהו ושר הבריאות אדלשטיין ביקרו לפני זמן קצר במתחם החיסונים באומל פחם, שם נפגשו עם המחוסן המיליון בישראל. בנאום שנשא במתחם אמר נתניהו, זהו חוסר אחריות לאפשר למחלה להשתולל מסיבות פוליטיות. יש פוליטיקאים שמנעו מאיתנו לעשות את הסגר הקצר וההדוק שרצינו, כך נתניהו. עוד הוסיף ראש הממשלה, כי ועדת השרים לקורונה תבחן גם את סגירת מערכת החינוך לכמה ימים. מדברה בביא כתבנו דור ותוך כך נמשך את העלייה בתחלואה, משרד הבריאות ידכן הבוקר על 5,804 נבדק... נדבקים חדשים שהובחנו ביממה החולפת. כתבנו יובל סגב מוסר כי היישובים בג'אן וכפר יסיף הפכו אדומים, אילת בהר שבע ירוחם בטח תקווה ורחובות הפכו כתומות. עיכוב בינוי מנק... מפכה למשטרה החדש ברקע חילוקי הדעות בין הליכוד לבין כחול לבן. השר לביטחון הפנים אמיר אוכנה העלה לישיבת ממשלה טלפונית בקשה למנות את ניצב קובי שבתאי, מפקד משמר הגבול כי ממלא מקום מפכה למשטרה ואת גונדר כטיפרי, מפקדת מחוז דרום, כי ממלאת מקום נציבת שרות בתי הסוהר. בעוד התואר רשמית לשרים, כתב אוכנה, לצערי המדובר בממשלה פריטטית, בגוש כחול צריך לאשר נושאים שעל סדר יום הממשלה, אישור כזה לא ניתן על ידם. ולתקווה שבזמן הקרוב תינתן הסכמת כחול לבן להשלמת מינויי עקב לשני שני הגופים הביטחוניים, המשווים לכך כבר יותר משנתיים. כך השר אוכנה מדבריו הביאה כתבתנו המדינית, מוריה אסרף וולברג. שר המשפטים היוצא, אבי ניסן קורן, תוקף את התנהלותו של שותפו לשעבר, יושב ראש כחול לבן בני גנץ, ואומר כי גנץ הגיע עם ראש הממשלה נתניהו להסכמות על פוליטיזציה של הליכי בחירת פרקליט המדינה והיועץ המשפטי לממשלה, כלשונו. בפוסט, רשומה בחשבון הפייסבוק שלו כתב ניסן כי קיומו של מסע על ראשם של שומרי הסף חותר תחת עקרונות דמוקרטיים נסודיים, ותחת הערכים שבשמם נבחרנו לשרת את אזרחי ישראל. הודתה ניסן קורן כי גנץ אינו שולל ישיבה ימינה. מכחול לבן נלסר מחירת חיסול של משרד המשפטים למען עתידו הפוליטי, כחול לא תוותר על משרד מחיר. ראשון התגובה שהביא כתבנו הפוליטי, מיכאל האוזר טוב. מכסת העובדים הזרים בענף הבנייה לא תקטן עד סוף 2021 ותעמוד על 16,500. מספרם אמור היה לרדת ל-8,000 עובדים החל מהיום, המהלך נבלם בשל פנייה דחופה לשרים שהגיש שר הבינוי והשיקון יעקב ליצמן. לטענתו יורדת, בנייתן של אלפי דיור הייתה נעצרת בהתאם. נשיא התאחדות הקבלנים בונה הארץ ראול סרוגו, אמר לחטפתנו עיניו קרנר, כי יש צורך להגדיל את מכסת העובדים הזרים והפלסטינים, על מנת שהיו מספיק ידיים עובדות במקצועות הבנייה שהישראלים לא מוכנים לעבוד בהם, ומנגד הממשלה לא משכילה להכשיר את אלה שכן רוצים. כך סרוגו. מזג האוויר היום יהיה בהיר, בהרים ובפנים הארץ, הטמפרטורות תהיינה גבוהות מעט מהרגיל לעונה. ב elapsed זמןי קנסת השבת, פרשת ויהי, שabbat חזק, בירושלים בארבעה וшеש דקות, בittel אביב תיקנסה שabbat בארבעה ועשרים ושמונה, ב חיפה בארבעה וארבעה, וויבר שeva, תיקנסה שabbat בארבעה ועשרים ותשע, elapsed מחר, בירושלים בחמשה ועשרים וшеש, בittel אביב בחמשה ועשרים ושבעה, ב חיפה בחמשה ועשרים וחמש, וויבר שeva, תצ'ה השabbat. ב-5-29, לכל מאזיננו, שבת שלום, אלה החדשות.
1: J.M. in the A.M. Yaakov Chesed. Song is called Hamal. Uh, we're trying to get to a lot of Hamalachs today. Ooh, there we go. Trying to get to a lot of Hamalachs today for obvious reasons. So, it's a uh, erev Shabbos parsha of Erev Shabbos Chazak. Harry Rothenberg has words about this week's parsha. Here he is at J.M. in the A.M.
7: There's a long-standing tradition for Jewish parents to bless their children every Friday night at the beginning of the Shabbos meal. We bless our daughters that God should make them like the matriarchs. You'd think that we would bless our sons similarly, that God should make them like the patriarchs. But instead we say, may God make you like Ephraim and Menasheh, the two sons of Joseph, Yosef, grandsons of Jacob, Yaakov. Why? Because in this week's Total Portion, when Yaakov himself blessed Ephraim and Menasheh, he said to them that through you, the Jewish people will bless, saying, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasha. But why did Yaakov single out those two grandsons over his other ones and over his sons? To answer this, let's go back to last week's Torah portion. Yaakov gets the stunning news that his son Yosef, presumed dead for so many years, is actually very much alive, and he's the ruler of Egypt. Initially, he cannot believe that news, But once he's reassured, his spirit revives and he says, I'm going down to see my son, Yosef, before I die. Those last few words seem unnecessary. Just say, I'm going down to see my son, Yosef, why before I die? One of the greatest people lived within the last hundred years or so was the Chafetz Chaim, an unbelievably inspirational rabbi and author. Another rabbi used to encourage people to go see the Chafetz Chaim towards the end of his life because they wouldn't get another chance. And this rabbi would explain, once the Chafetz Chaim dies, he's going to go up to heaven and have a special place, so close to God's throne that none of us will have the opportunity to see him there. We won't have that type of VIP or backstage access in heaven. So go see the Chafetz Chaim now while you still have the chance. Yaakov is saying the same thing. I need to get down to Egypt to see my son Yosef before I die, because once I die, I'll never get the opportunity again. Even in heaven. You mean to tell me that Yosef was down in Egypt for 22 years, the most decadent society in the world, the only Jew in the country. And he didn't just rise to prominence. He became the leader of the entire country and yet remained steadfast in his belief in God and true to his rituals and traditions and values, it's almost impossible to comprehend. When he gets up to heaven, even I, Yaakov, the patriarch, won't be able to see him because of the enormity of what he was able to accomplish through his self-restraint. And so Yaakov singles out the two sons of Yosef, the first two Jews born and raised in exile and says through you, the Jews are going to bless their sons because Yosef was able to raise them in exile and pass on to them his nearly superhuman self-restraint, his ability to say no of the prevailing mores and fads and fashions and vices, and to remain true to his God, the one God and his religion. And what an important message for right now, when the temptations that our children face are unimaginable, greater than they've ever been before expanding exponentially every day, every minute when the contest, the fight for their attention and their affections is as intense as it's ever been. And so we bless our children. We bless our daughters that they should be like the matriarchs and our sons that they should be like Ephraim and minasha, possessed of that inner strength, that moral fiber, that self-restraint to be able to say no to the evil inclination. To stay focused and committed to our values, to our traditions, to our rituals, and to our beliefs. <music>
1: J.M. and the A.M. Hamalach HaGoel, Shim Kramer and Company, Yeshiva Boys before that, Benny Friedman all with Hamalach. <coughs> Thank you to Harry Rothenberg, his words on the Parsha's Vayechi, most welcome. Thank you very much for that. Um, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this 1st of January, it's the first day of the brand new year of uh 2021 let us hope that the the difficult parts of 2020 will now come to a relatively abrupt close and that the year ahead will be a much easier year for everybody that'd be one way of looking at it right <laughs> That 2021 will hopefully be a little bit easier. I certainly hope so. Um, This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry kishka and more, and modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduce sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net and try a A&H today. Our friends at shopeyeklers.com remind you that they have same-day delivery. As hard as that is to believe, check it. Check it out and test them out. Go online. You'll see what they have to say about same-day delivery. Shopeyeklers.com. shopiclers.com. And then test it out. Literally, you know, place an order. If you're in Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Toms River, Jackson, literally uh, place an order and see what happens, and you'll enjoy that same-day delivery that's making com unique and um, and groundbreaking, frankly. Check it out. Go to shopbyclose.com and enjoy. Our friends and partners in Torah remind you that if it's uh, – If it fits into your schedule, and trust me, it will. Because anybody who thinks it doesn't, they always end up making that mistake in retrospect. (laughs) If you think it it won't fit into your schedule, you are incorrect. If you want to be a mentor or a student in Partners in Torah and increase your connection to our tradition and heritage, or help somebody out there increase their uh, connection to our tradition and heritage, go to partnersintorah.org. Again, that's partnersintorah.org or 1-800-STUDY-4-2, 2 study the number four, and then the number two, and enjoy what is uh, likely uh, one of the most satisfying and inspiring experiences you will ever have, being part of a partnership when it comes to Partners in Torah. Partnersintorah.org, 1-800-STUDY-4-2. Check it out and enjoy. We can almost guarantee that you will. Um. Where are we here? Coming up, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us for the uh, weekly update here at JM in the AM. Um, just about, I don't know, five, five, six, seven minutes from now. Rabbi Yudin with words about Vayechi. I do remind you that it is the uh, final parsha. as hard as that is to believe, of Safer Bracious. We wrap up Sefer bracious with Shabbos Chazak tomorrow which is just amazing I'll tell you the calendar continues to just speed by pretty remarkable more coming up Friday morning Erev Shabbos JM in the AM with Maisie Tischler (laughs)
0: Between <laughs> you When he raises, I don't know. I believe you're in control. There's nothing more that I need. need
1: Elchanan Baruch, with words we've been hearing a lot over the last couple of hours. Hamalah Hagoel. Erev Shabbos Parshas v'ayechi, Erev Shabbos hazak. Candle lighting at um, 419 in the New York area on this Erev Shabbos, 419. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Happy 2021 to everybody, now that 2020 is completely behind us. Well, not, I guess I guess not every aspect of 2020 is completely behind this, but you got my point. My thanks to Mayor Weingarten for sitting in yesterday for what I was told was a stellar edition of JM&A. And big thank you to Mayor. Big thank you to everybody who participated in our end-of-year fundraiser. Seems like a lot of people uh, like to give on the last day of the year, and that's fine with us. Much appreciated. Uh, those who went to fjbunity.org to um, be part of our 2020 fundraising campaign again much appreciated um someone pointed out they said my first act of the new year was to just send a 10 times high paypal donation to the foundation in honor of you and all your listeners with hopes for a better year for everybody that's listener jeff in verona i want to say thank you very very much for that (laughs) great way to end the year with all the wonderful support great way to start the year much appreciated. J.M. and the AM with a reminder, this coming Sunday night, I'll be hosting the Makar Disability Services, the Women's League Makar event. Charity.com slash Macar has the details. They're two days away from officially starting uh, their two-day fundraising campaign for the 3rd and 4th of January. Um, and it's never too early to give. If you want to go to the website, you'll see the great work that they do, and we've mentioned a lot of it on the air over the last week or so. Again, it's Charity.com, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y, Charity.com slash Makar, Charity.com slash Makar. 8 p.m. Sunday night, Women's League Makar. We'll do a live presentation for two hours. Uh, Joey uh, Newcomb, Benny Friedman, they'll both be part of it. I'll be hosting, and we look forward to greeting you through one of our uh, virtual get-togethers. So again, go to charity.com slash my car, 8 p.m. Sunday night. Give generously and participate with us in the live event. Again, Joey Newcomb and Benny Freeman will be there. And we're looking forward to a lot of excitement for a great cause that has been around for decades in our community. And that is no exaggeration. been around a long time doing great work. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Go to JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to... Um, print out thousands, I don't even think that's an exaggeration, if you do your research, thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos. Uh, go to jewishworldreview.com, and you will find a, a comprehensive place that really, uh, uh, that really offers um, plenty of articles about what's going on in Israel and the Jewish world. Go to Jewish World of view and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is execu- Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday mornings for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM.
8: Thank you. Good way to start off the new year. Oh. We wish everybody a, a healthy year, that it will be somewhat different from the one that we just left.
1: God willing. Is it already feeling different, Malcolm? Is it feeling different to you in these first eight hours of the new year?
8: Yeah, I'm pretty numb, so I don't know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was what, it was really determined.
1: One of those very exciting New Year's Eves, it sounds like. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. A very exciting week for Jonathan Pollard and his wife. They land in Israel. Very interesting uh, uh, episode. Very interesting uh, end to this uh, uh, decades-long saga. The private plane, being greeted by the Prime Minister on the tarmac, etc., etc., watching Pollard kiss the ground of Israel, reminding us not to take Israel for granted. All of this during a time when we are so disconnected physically from the Holy Land. What did you think of the episode as you watched Jonathan Pollard being welcomed by the Prime Minister of Israel?
8: should have gotten a lift on the plane. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> <hold> on. <laughs> I Look, I think it, it's, uh, he's been through uh, a quiet period now uh, since his release. He abided by everything that he was supposed to do. Uh, he, you know, his wife has been ill. He served longer than anybody for crime against, uh, involving a friendly nation, way disproportionate, even something um, a former secretary of defense said this week, acknowledged this week, as many have all along. I hope now he'll be able to live out his life quietly in Israel and, and with his wife in good health.
1: You know not not to uh, not to you know blow this out of proportion um you know but someone like yourself must have had every one of the episodes where you stood with presidents of the United States and think about how many presidents we've had since the mid 80s presidents of the United States influential people in Washington in general I don't know, members of the Senate and United States House of Representatives, maybe secretaries of state, right? They could certainly have a big part uh, in the say of what to do with Pollard. Probably all those encounters where, you know, tens if not hundreds of them that you had over these decades must have come back into your thoughts as you're seeing him land in Israel.
8: We had countless meetings uh, and treaties to people of every kind, religious leaders, International figures. I talked to at least uh, five presidents and four presidents about it. Wow! Um,
1: I didn't even think of—I didn't even think of the international leaders part. There were people from other countries that you spoke to about it.
8: Well, moral leaders, religious leaders, right. others who weighed in. Um, you know, the in the beginning it was very difficult. There were even leaders of the Jewish community who, who called for his incarceration and. And incarceration was inevitable, right. um, and we acknowledged that the, the crime that was committed. But the question is proportionality, and you know the the the, the distinction that somebody could spy for Russia or China and do uh, much more damage, and that a lot of the charges that were made against him at the time, in terms of other ramifications, were not borne out. Um, but you know, now it's behind us. There were presidents, you know, one president in particular, you could not raise this issue with. Who was a who was friendly, but well, this was the one issue that was sort of taboo. Didn't want to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, it made him angry, and yeah. uh, and he did not get angry when we fought with him over many other issues. And there's another president who who made a promise to me about it uh, that it would be a part of the year-end considerations, uh, pardon considerations. And then he apologized to me later, saying that it that five out of the five agencies they consulted said no.
1: Unbelievable. Um, The the context of what happened this week with him is interesting because I wonder, as I'm sure you did, if not for COVID, would they have been able to keep this, you know, flight under wraps and, and do it with the, you know, the limited number of people that we saw this week? In other words, if not for COVID, do you think there would have been a purposeful, Uh, attempt to make sure still nobody knew about it. They didn't want any massive celebrations with thousands of people greeting him in Tel Aviv.
8: I do not think that that... I think that was one of the considerations. I do not think that they wanted a massive demonstration. Uh, You know, it can have negative repercussions here. Right. And, uh, you know, in his wife's uh, condition after a long flight, Um, I think, you know, the that uh, it would not have been perhaps even wise to, to have that kind of a reception at the airport night. And to uh, and, and I frankly don't know that that's what Pollard, at this point, that he would want it. I think he, he mm-hmm. I know that he said to me when I went to visit him in prison and other times that all he wanted to do was go and live quietly and live his life out in Israel. And now at least his uh, his dream will be fulfilled. And often too often it's when it's too late. So thank God that... Uh, that it became possible, and certainly through the uh, commutation and the uh, cooperation of the administration.
1: So now in retrospect, I know because of COVID this likely won't happen, but if your children and grandchildren were at the Shabbos table tonight, what would you say? Would you say he's a hero? How would you describe his, his contribution or the danger in which he put the state of Israel? How would you classify him historically now as you look back?
8: It's a good question. It's, it's still there are things that are. Um, it's a lengthy discussion. It's not. It's not a yes or no answer. It's right. not. A, I think. I think that this is the kind of discussion that has been held. There have been thousands of uh, discussions um, in every form of the Jewish community about it. So I think, as I said, I think now is the time to put it behind us and to let him um, and his wife live their lives in, uh, in harmony and in peace and hopefully good health.
1: All right. And, uh, with the intention of putting it behind us, I will ask you only one more question, but I think this is a really important one. Um, when one sees, especially the younger people in this audience who are really used to tremendous security cooperation between the United States and Israel, in fact, over the last couple of decades, you've described for us, that no matter what's going on, even during the most challenging political Times right Obama administration, to be you know obvious about it uh, still the, about the the level of cooperation between Israel and the United States when it came to security matters uh, was uh, you know was very high uh, with that in mind, some younger people especially might be saying, why on earth would Pollard think or anybody think that there was a reason to give information to Israel behind the back?" of the United States? Wasn't there a relationship then as well that could be described as very cooperative and there was no reason for him to even act this way? How would you answer that?
8: Well, there are volumes written on it, so it's not a question. And and we have the absolute truth in, in some regards that we know the, the administration did not share everything with Israel. and is, fact,
1: is that different today, by the way? Like, would you say that's likely different today or it's hard to say?
8: Well, the, well we, don't, we don't know what we don't know, so th- right. that's that speculative, but you know, information flows today are very different. But Israel does not spy and has not spied on engaging in espionage in the United States, although the United States did engage in espionage in Israel. And, um, you know, countries, every country spies on every other country, and now you do it by satellite, you don't need uh, agents. It did a lot of harm. There was a long period where where there were repercussions, both for some Jewish employees and for for others, and in terms of intelligence cooperation. uh, Some of the stories I know personally are not true about repercussions, and some of them are certainly true. uh, Some worse than what the public knows about. Um, And you know, there are people who still claim that there's a lingering effect uh, from it, but. You know, it, there's a lot of hypocrisy in it, and the fact that uh, you know, the United States was engaged in that espionage in Israel as well. The um, uh, so, you know, th- these are things that uh, 50, when Pollard hopefully can write his own memoirs or something and clarify what you know what his, his perspective on this is, but. You know, we've seen the people like Eli Rubenstein, who's one highly respected former Supreme Court justice, and others was the one who didn't let him back into the right. embassy. You had a lot of people who were involved, who were nice. very credible and very uh, serious officials of Israel. Others who've used uh, not only harsh rhetoric but but made the case about this on both sides. So, you know, the, the, to rehash it and re-debate it right now, we should not spy on each other. It, it the cost to U.S.-Israel relationship was, was was deep at the time, and it gave an excuse for those who were looking for one. Uh, I, I don't think it creates anti-Semites. It gave anti-Semites and anti-Israel people certainly a pretext to carry on a campaign uh, as they have, not only as they did, but as they have, uh, using this. And th- this is, uh, you know, I think a lot of lessons were learned, and some of the modus operandi were changed because of it.
1: His greatest victory may be what happened this week, because it's no secret that you know prison and American officials just expected him to die, frankly, in the conditions that he had in prison. We know how many times he was ill. he had a life
8: sentence, and, and you know the guy served 30 years. I Man. mean this is unprecedented, and I went to visit him prison, and there was no bitterness, there was no um, uh, recriminations he was It was astonishing. And to see how current he was with everything that was going on was simply amazing. I have no idea how he could have gotten, you know, the information in the way that he was able to, to convey to us and our discussion. Um, and, you know, he was, uh, it, it was, it, it took us aback at first, the first time we went um, to, um, to, to visit him in the, in the prison itself. It's also a shocking experience. It was the first time I was ever in a prison when, you know, you hear the clang of that door and everything slams behind you and you have to take – you can't even have a pencil with you or anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, uh,
8: not, not a, yeah, really. I pretty, mean, I, as, a, as, as a visitor, I don't want
1: you to be concerned. That's <laughs> a visitor.
8: We know. We know the story. But okay. <laughs> but we you,
1: won't talk about it on air. But, yes, imagine after a visitor, you go through that harrowing experience. Imagine what he was going through. My gosh. Right and that he survived just amazing, and I think that may be the ultimate victory for him that he's now in the state of Israel. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and MalcolmSiegel.com and the MalcolmSiegel Network, and of course in the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Why is Israel being cited for its efficiency when it comes to vaccine distribution? Why are they doing this so well?
8: Well, right now, you know, anybody who's done anything well in this uh, pandemic is being cited because, and it's so disproportionate, the number and how fast they were able to inoculate Israelis. Um, And I think the army was brought in others. This is really a testament. You know, at the beginning, they, they also handed it well, and then the situation deteriorated and continues to. I mean, it's still escalating numbers and still very troubling, but they are making real progress with the inoculation series talk that they're going to have to hold off because they were too successful they want to make sure that they have enough for the second shot for the groups that got it. Wow,
1: I didn't realize
8: that. And that they may hold off for the next two weeks and then there's talk that they've got uh, from I think Moderna an emergency shipment because they were using Pfizer uh, and their others AstraZeneca is coming online which is starting to use in Great Britain but it doesn't appear to be as effective as the other two uh, there are other countries that are using chinese uh, and the the russian uh, originated israel does not seem to be using those so the um whether they can keep up this pattern but it's uh it you know it was highly efficient and as you know when very rare that they give the government or even israel generally credit for for something yeah but I, this is certainly to their credit, and I know people went and they told me that they waited five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour at most, but most said that they just went. There were, it was a very efficient setup, and they got their shots and left.
1: Yeah, their method of distribution is being cited and being lauded. And um, <laughs> some of the columnists who can't stand BB are actually giving him props because apparently both the, uh, the organizational aspect that he's led regarding the distribution and also the fact that he went out and purchased the number of vaccines they did. Apparently, Israel paid a higher price in other countries. But even Bibi's critics are saying, "Who cares if it gets us back to normalcy as soon as possible?"
8: And he did it right away. If you notice, he negotiated with uh, all of these companies' uh, deals. Uh, many countries now are trying to catch up, and they, of course, have to get online because it's limited how much you can produce at one time. Yeah. Even though I think it's it's truly incredible. Uh, and this, I think, uh, Operation War Speed and others—you uh, know—remember, we gave billions of dollars to these companies. But the fact is now we're seeing that they are producing it at a truly remarkable rates. I mean, it's it's astonishing to see—you know—how many millions and millions of shots are being provided. All and and global. It's not just uh, in the United States. So we have to step it up here. We have to find a way to to. to Get beyond the first responders who should get it first and all of, those, of the others, the hospital workers, the elderly, um, and then get it to people because the quicker we get to uh, that threshold, but now but they're saying it has to be a 90% threshold to really impact
1: yeah, who knows what the real number is, but it does seem, it does seem to keep going up.
8: And, and sure. we don't know what the long-term impact, we don't know how long it will last, we don't know so many things. You see people now getting it the second time, you see people's uh, antibodies going down, people's antibodies going up. I mean, we still have so much about this virus that we don't know.
1: And, of course, every time I visit Jewish neighborhoods or noticeably Jewish neighborhoods, no one's wearing a mask. And in some neighborhoods, including someone who spoke to me yesterday, from Borough Park, and someone who spoke to me yesterday from Lakewood, in some neighborhoods they don't realize, the residents, what kind of uptick is is going on now in their surroundings. And people just don't take it seriously anymore.
8: In Rockland, uh, the Hatzala put out a warning. We know in other neighborhoods the numbers have gone up, and you're right. And I see kids coming out of yeshivas in in the schools themselves, they're required to wear them. But when they go out... Everything gets off, and, and, you know, parents have to realize you're setting an example for your kids. Yep. Oh, and, yes. And, and you know, we could have a third round. There are, as I said, we don't know. And people who assume because they have antibodies, but it doesn't mean you can't be a carrier. Yep. It doesn't mean you can't affect uh, others. And people who get it a second time, it's, the numbers aren't big yet, but... They seem to be increasing.
1: And there's even a uh, debate now if someone who's vaccinated could still be a carrier of it. So you have to be extra careful no matter what the you
8: situation is. You see the uh, Haber Knesset um, who, Eichler, who was vaccinated nine days ago, came down with it. Oh, boy.
1: Yeah, they said you need 14 days in order to, um, it, it, likely you need 14 days in order for it to kick mm. in. Wow, unbelievable. Day nine. So yesterday I read about somebody on day five. and didn't realize day nine somebody had gotten it. Um, The rumor is, and I know that's impossible, but I'm going to ask anyway because I'm so hopeful and I want to be hopeful. The rumor is that if Israel continues at this rate, that once Pesach ends, early Pesach this year, I remind everybody. So let's say for argument's sake, you know, Pesach ends and it's around April 1st or certainly the first week in April. uh, Around that time, Israel will be ready to announce that tourism can open up. And because testing is so extensive, they'd be able to continue with the majority of Israelis being vaccinated by that point, And obviously, tourists expected to either be vaccinated or uh, to um, provide proof of an of a negative test. That would be amazing for the hotels. Obviously, I know they'd rather be open before Pesach. I get it. But it would be amazing if they could get a real start on the summer season. Do you, do you think that that kind of timetable, what what you read and see, does it look like that's realistic?
8: Uh, around that time, that there could be, uh, you know, staged openings, and um, again, we have to see how the, the performances over the next uh, couple of uh, months. And hopefully, you know, w- w- with the election coming, that that won't interfere. It shouldn't. It should be a, a bigger incentive to show a, a positive uh, rate of inoculation and right. good, good results. Because uh, whoever's going to be running, uh, it's going to use this. This is obviously going to be very um, critical to people's minds along with the economy and the other ramifications of this you're right that many hotels are going to we'll have to see where some may not even reopen like restaurants right. here and hotels here
0: yep.
8: who are in very serious uh, situations financial situations and but uh, I've heard you know the same discussions and we'll see
1: Pesach ends in Israel April 3rd Shall pesach pesach ends in Israel April 3rd would be amazing if they can get a start in the summer season immediately uh, thereafter. All right, you mentioned the election. Uh, I don't know who's left and who isn't. Seems like people are dropping out of parties right and left. Uh, by the way, just just logistically, I mean, I guess by the end of March, if we're making these predictions that hopefully things will start opening up gradually, I'm assuming that the system will... Of voting will not be affected, right? Campaigning may still be affected, especially over the next month or so. But the system of voting will likely not be affected, right? By then, hopefully, people will actually be able to go to the polls and do what they what they what they've done now, you know, three prior times in the last two years, and just cast
8: their ballots. Uh, that's uh, it's a safe assumption, I guess, right now. But we don't know, and and Israel innovates, so they may be able to come up with a way right, that true. people will be able to drop off ballots or make an appointment to come in and vote. Um, you know, they've had so much experience. They have a lot of expertise in holding elections. Um, and, you know, we will, we, you're right that the parties are really, it's quite remarkable to see people switching, people dropping out, people coming in. Uh, who will drop out uh, ultimately? There will be some clarification of the fields as, as you know we get closer to the election and people see the realities and what the prospects are. Uh, but it seems that the election is really more about pro and ATBB than uh, as uh, you know some elections here have been about and, uh, the individuals running. Only one of the individuals; the other is just there. But <clears throat> it's um, you know it's. Um, it's very tr- a transient period right now in Israeli politics.
1: Someone made the point to me that I mean, I think you basically said this, but now everyone's writing it uh, that the you know the the left is gone, and basically it's an election between center left, between center right and right. Someone said it's exactly the opposite here in the United States. That here it looks like the trend is that you know the the, the future of power in this country is between the left and center left, and in Israel it's between the right and center right. Do you think that's a, a good comparison?
8: Well, it's an apt analysis. I think that the the left in Israel um, has not shown real vibrancy, and the uh, look at the Labor Party—they you know, they, they believe they won't even make the cut now. Maybe that under new leadership and revi- revitalizing some of it um, here, uh, I think that you know the pendulum attempts to swing from one side to the other, and so in off-year elections, so in two years. The Prediction is that the Republicans will do better because they—it's uh, that they has been in the pattern of past. Right. I don't know that that's true. I think that we have new patterns being established, and we have very deep divisions. The country is almost evenly split, as we saw in this election. But we've lost the political center, and this is something I've talked about for a long time on this show, warning based on the lessons of Europe that we see the political center, which is where most Jews feel comfortable: center right, center left, center center. Uh, But we see the radicalization and and more and more extremism being introduced to extreme left, extreme right, uh, often with strong tinges of anti-Semitism in some of their messaging and um, pronouncements. So we're in a—it is a very different political environment.
1: You know, someone told me—I think it's obvious, unless the polls are completely uh, wrong—that it's basically 50-50 for Tuesday in Georgia. Uh, the way things are right mm-hmm. now, it's really close. Someone told me that the Jewish vote—if you poll the Jewish vote in Georgia—would
8: also be fifty-fifty. Is it surprising to you? It would be surprising, uh, but again, you know, the media highlights some of the you know what they want to highlight. So you don't know really where Amcha is. Uh, there's concern about some of the candidates, some of their pronouncements. There are uh, about. Several of the candidates, in fact, on both sides, there have been all sorts of articles written about what uh, yeah. they've said or done. Uh, you know, and, and, and people—the real problem here is today people have lost faith, they lost trust in media, in government. They don't believe what what people say, what the reporters say. What uh, you know, there's no Walter Cronkite uh, phenomenon, as it was in his day. Uh, and then you have the you know every kind of conspiracy theory possible being being ordered on on the internet and being imposed on people. It's and some of it which I have been following now very closely through friends who are working on this uh, very extensively. I mean, there's so much anti-Semitism and so much anti-Israel stuff that's being promulgated. Uh, and now, with this tremendous focus of the the amount of money that will be spent in in georgia will, its economy will have done very well. So maybe it's a message you hold elections, you make money do they the, did they make a money tremendous did, investment in the influx of funds
1: do they make money in Israel when they continue to hold elections? That could be the answer why it keeps having. It. <laughs> no.
8: <laughs> yes, the answer is only the uh, pollsters and the uh, pundits make money, but uh, you know those elections who make are them- very expensive, in uh, you know this new election, and that's part of the anger of people at a time when the economy is where it is. to Spend you know millions and millions, hundreds of millions of shekels, not billions.
1: I was going to say those who make the lawn signs and bumper stickers make money, but the way you've described the recent Israeli elections, probably people won't even be engaged in this stuff till a week before. Like I don't even know if they'll pay attention to it in the month of January and February.
8: Well, they're paying attention because of the of the jockeying that's going on and trying to predict who, who's going to come in. You know, when Eisencott was seen as uh, adding so much to it, now he announces and, and being courted by, I think, three parties. And then he announces he's not coming to any party. So there's so many interesting manifestations uh, of this. To see how, um, uh, you know, the, the BB phenomenon, remember the longest-serving prime minister, Right. Whether he, he, and it's not impossible for him to pull it off again. I know people writing his political obituaries have learned the lesson many times in the past.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you know, originally, and, and, I, and I think you agreed with this when we discussed it um, all the new countries, those countries that want to have normal ties and uh, normalization with Israel, we assume the deadline, or at least I assume, the deadline would be January 20th. And now, the more I read about it, the more it seems that it's irrelevant to some of these countries down the road who's in power in the U.S. And that they they can completely ignore Washington as long as they feel it's time to move ahead with Israel. Are you getting that feeling as well that there's really no January 20th deadline for any country to uh, propose normalization with Israel?
8: I honestly believe that January 20th looms very large over the relationships. Some of them are moving ahead and some of them will move ahead, but others are just waiting to see and are reluctant to make bold moves uh, because of the change in administrations and waiting to see whether they can uh, use it as negotiating leverage in some cases, Um, in other cases, because they want to see what the message is from the new administration. Uh, so, I do think it has an impact on most of the countries involved and on the uh, and in some cases to israel 's benefit if they believe that the u s will be less engaged that the u s presence will be reduced, then Israel looms all that much larger in the battle against Iran and extremism and terrorism et etc uh, so I think that it's uh, there is hesitancy on the part of some to do some some of the things that have been talked about. I don't think all of the speculation is correct that some of the countries mentioned are really not in a, in the place to do this. But when even Turkey's Erdogan now has said that he wants to improve relations with Israel, I wouldn't put too much stock in it yet. But uh, even the fact that, uh, that there's murmurings and there's supposedly I think the head of the foreign ministry visited Israel Um Maybe it's a a reading of reality because he continues to support Hamas. He continues all the anti-Israel rhetoric. He continues to to liken Israel to the Nazis and the, the people in this government. So, you know, there's no immediate transformation that's going on there.
1: There's speculation that the new president as of January 20th, or the new Congress, frankly, depending on what happens in Georgia, could eliminate some of the diplomatic sweeteners. I think that was the Jerusalem Post term. Uh, that have been promised to Morocco, Sudan, the UAE, and money and weapons, etc. Do you think, in fact, that sort sort of like his threat with the Iran deal, that he's ready to go right back in, that Joe Biden or others in Washington could use their influence to eliminate some of the things promised to these countries in exchange for normalization?
8: I mean, there is that speculation. I think you have to go country by country and look at what are the issues, whether they... You know, they've talked about being tougher on Egypt and Saudi Arabia, for instance, on the human rights issues. There's been talk about uh, the Sahara issue. Um, could they? Yes, they could. Uh, we would be. I hope they will do it very cautiously, and there won't be, you know, there won't be an effort that, that undoes some of the commitments that have been made, which were contingent, I think, to in some cases on these uh, these gestures and and. Sessions. So, you know, we'll have to see what the new administration. They have not given a hint yet as to what it is, and I think there's a lot of speculation, not necessarily based on facts. Uh, I saw the, the um, Jake Sullivan, the new national security advisor, gave a lengthy interview, 15 minutes or so, it was NPR, but didn't mention Israel in and the, and these issues. So, in dealing with foreign policy, look, China is going to be a huge issue, Russia is going to be a huge issue. There are uh, I'll give you just one example that people not don't focus on the, all, all the ramifications and I hope the administration will be able to, and that is, you know, Russia is getting into South America, Turkey and Iran are there, China is there, There we see a turn back to the Maduro and the, you know, the old Chavez uh, uh, period, uh, and that's a direct threat being so close to the United States. We see big changes in the Middle East and especially vis-a-vis Iran, and, uh, et cetera. So, the agenda is very heavy. Uh, hopefully the positive moves that have been taken will continue to be encouraged.
1: Two more things. The United States says it will not stand by. And as the murderer of Daniel Pearl is released, is, is there really practically anything the U.S. could do at this point?
8: Well, they could bring charges as an American citizen. There are ways. Um, but the Pakistani government some officials have said that they are looking for a way to retry them. On on charges, um, you know. All of a sudden, it's a democracy where the courts are independent. Uh, <laughs> that, you yeah, know, unfortunately. That, uh, but it is an intolerable situation, uh, especially given the brutal nature of the murder. And as you know, I knew Daniel Pearl, and he had been very helpful to us in circumstances that will one day describe in in Iran. Uh, and you know he died proudly as a Jew, with his last words being about his grandfather and, yeah. and the street name for him. And um,
1: those of you who don't know, the episode is from 2002. Google Daniel Pearl; it's an important story to know,
8: right? And an inspiring story for yeah. in his last days, uh, his last minutes. You know, but what? I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think that the you know there are probably avenues to to do it or to try and try them or whatever.
1: So difficult and it takes years. Usually, I don't want to
8: describe all the possible
1: uh, uh, options, but Un- there are. Understood. Um, ju- justice comes in many ways, right? Right. Um, you know, Malcolm, I was just thinking that one of the, seriously, one of the terrible things about COVID, and there are a lot of terrible things, I, I would assume, and I thought of this as you were just talking about, you know, all the different situations, China, Russia, etc. I would assume that if not for COVID, under, under the same circumstances, meaning, you know, the election went the way it did, you probably would have met with Joe Biden at some point between election day and now and to express some of the things that you just told us about China, Russia, Israel, et cetera, and you know some really important things. and the fact, that, and you know what the importance of face-to-face meetings are' enough to tell you. and the fact that, that, that that's not happening, that representatives of our community and, and, and Israel lovers like yourself can't, you know, at this point sit down and have a frank conversation it, it, that's got to be a bad drawback.
8: It is, and it's frustrating in in some respects. I mean, I have had communication with people who will be in the new administration, and I've known Joe Biden for more than forty years, and I met with him very regularly when he was vice president, and his earlier time when he was chairman of the foreign relations committee. Um, So, yes, that is frustrating. And a couple of the people he appointed have been have been close to us over the years, even though we've had disagreements on things like Iran. And by the way, I think people should note about the two. B-52 bombers that went down the Persian Gulf, flew from North Dakota there and back.
1: It's funny, I was going to end with asking you to explain the, the whole Iranian attack of the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad and what the current, I assume that's why the B-52s are there,
8: right? The, that is one of the reasons why they are there, but it's the anniversary, the first anniversary of the killing of of uh, Soleimani mm-hmm. is coming up, and they're threatening, both Hezbollah and Iran, threatening revenge of all sorts, and at the same time expressing warnings because they're afraid that uh, they could be the... Um, it, at a morning. By the way, it, it, it just to go back one second on the Pakistan issue, we saw in Argentina where where Carlos uh, Teledin, who was accused of making the car bomb that, that blew up at Amiya building and killed one eighty five people and more in nineteen ninety four, was also the court released him, um, dropped the charges against him. Uh, so that, I mean there are uh, other cases, and as you said, with the, with the, the tremendous overload of issues that we are facing now, you know, we're working on the Shkita in in Europe issue, and now with the courts in Europe, while we were not on the air, um, came down, and, and, and the danger there is that it becomes Europe-wide. People don't even know how many countries in Europe ban Shkita um, uh, today, and the... the um, uh, you know the statistics when we talk about Israel—that 81 percent drop in tourism uh, to Israel so, because this year, because of COVID. 81%. So its implications are are um, are so broad, and and I and, and I just cite these things because we we tend to lose sight of so many issues, and I understand it completely. And people are on overload,
0: yeah.
8: uh, being at home, etc. But, you know, Hezbollah announced that they have twice the number of guided missiles with the PGM, you know, precision-guided missiles. Uh, that's what Allah said, and as Rala said, they can cover all of Israel and, and, the, and Soleimani. And Iran has been making pretty blatant uh, statements, whereas on the one hand, demanding that America just return to the, without precondition to the deal and the other hand, threatening, you know, every repercussions whether it would be directly against U.S. U.S. targets abroad uh, in the region, uh, against the allies of the United States, and the presence of these two strategic bombers was meant to be a message. Also, we had a submarine that could launch nuclear missiles in in the I think the first time in ten years uh, in, in the Gulf, and we had um, uh, we know that Iran has been talking about planning attacks against US, U.S. allied targets, Iraq would be a primary place, and, and that is, figures largely, and you know they've had rocket attacks against the compound where the U.S. Embassy is, and U.S. said they were going to pull out. We've reduced our presence there, uh, and that could uh, very well continue uh, if they continue to be under assault. But Iran's goal, and it's through Iran's allied militias that they are trying to drive uh, these forces out of uh, U.S. forces out, and so they keep up this policy of harassment and uh, and these attacks. In the meantime, we see that in Syria, you know, their targets came under uh, at least fifty attacks in in uh, by the IAF, the Israeli Air Force, uh, and that the that, that in the last couple of days there were very serious attacks against the. Uh, guided missile plant, and against other targets in, in Syria, and the parties themselves are in greater conflict: Russia, Turkey, Iran, and the Syrians themselves. We have so many situations in flux, uh, and Iran then tries to always exploit any situation of tension, but in the region or in the Gulf. Now, in a much bigger area, Turkey the same, and United States can't afford to withdraw from from the region. We are too critical to it. We know the price we've paid in the past. Uh, so we will look for any signals and messages to see how the new administration will, will address it. Remember, uh, um, Mr. Biden was the Chairman of Foreign Relations was very involved in these issues. And I, I don't think that it'll, you know, the domestic agenda and obviously COVID and the economy will be priorities as we've seen. But hopefully they will address these issues as well.
1: Yeah, let's hope. It's a different time also, so he may address it a lot differently than he would have 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Speak uh, Bezrat Hashem
8: next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Good Shabbos, and everybody be safe.
1: Amen to that. Uh, JM in the AM, Friday morning broadcast. Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JMN. This time, each and every Friday morning, every erev Shabbat. Oh, before we, uh, before we go to Rabbi Yudin. I don't want to forget like I did on Wednesday. <laughs> very happy birthday to our brother David Lawrence, newly of Baltimore, celebrating a birthday today. And from the opposing team, just kidding, we also wish a very happy birthday to our sister Judy Canal of Pittsburgh. Welcome back, may you always travel for good things. Wishing both celebrants good health and abundant nachas to 120 with much love from your sunny South Florida crew. That's of course Listener Cena and Mr. Listener Cena down in uh in Florida, yeah, listener Cena and Mr. Listener Cena, so they get the first. Did I wish anybody else a Mazel Tov this morning? I have to think. <laughs> if not, they get the first Mazel Tov of 2021. I think they get the first one. I don't think I wished a Mazel Tov yet to anybody else. Big thank you to Mayor Weingarten for sitting in yesterday. Thank you, Mayor. Again, a big thank you to Mayor Weingarten for sitting in yesterday here at JMNAM. From what I am told, he did a stellar job filling in here in this chair, and I thank him very, very much. This time each other, every Friday morning, every of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Sharmai Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum, Erev Shabbos, everybody.
9: Tomorrow is the privilege of reading Parshas Vayechi. This Shabbos is Shabbos Chazak. We take leave of Sefer Beratius. and in this week's parasha we find that Yaakov one uh, blesses his children prior to his passing. Uh, the idea that Yaakov asks Chazal tell us for an indication that he is going to die, so he would know. To quote, put his house in order, because after all, we are all to learn from the Torah, and ultimately the parsha ends with the burial of Yaakov in Ma'oras Hamachpelah. So, as we complete the book of Berecious, we have to remind ourselves that there are no Bible stories. There are only Bible lessons. And therefore, at the very beginning of the parsha, when Yaakov beseeches Yosef and asks him to swear that he not be buried in Mitzrayim, and specifically, Yaakov says to Yosef, V'yosisa imodi, you will perform, please, with me, chesed MS. Chesed literally is a kindness and emes is a truth. If you think about it, they don't logically go together. Chesed appears to be something that a person is doing, though they're not obligated to do, and emes is something that one would be obligated to do. So how do we understand the term chesed ve'emes? So Rashi tells us chesed she'osem im ha'mesim, the chesed, the kindness that a person does with the dead, who chesed shall Emes. This is the highest form of chesed, or true chesed, she'enu m'tsapeh, the tashlem Because there's no anticipation for any kind of reciprocity or reward from a kindness which one does with the mason, with the dead. In other words, um, re- I do for you, why am I doing chesed for you? Because someday you will reciprocate in kind. You're going to owe me one, but not so when you do chesed with the mason. However, In reality, I believe that the Torah is teaching us not only this particular lesson regarding Chesed with the Mason, which has given the name of the burial society throughout Jewish history, that they were called Chesed Shel Emes, but I believe that the Torah is teaching us here a Binyan Av, meaning that this is to be a foundation for the rest of one's dealing with chesed, and that is ideally all of one's chesed is to be performed without the expectation of reciprocation, without expecting something in return. Thus, We find in the long story, back in chapter 24 of Bereshis, dedicated to Eliezer finding a wife for Yitzchak, that when Rivka complies with Eliezer's noble wishes, his prayer that he davens to Hashem, and sure enough, the girl that comes... And responds affirmatively. She'll give him to drink, and she will then uh, draw for all his camels. That's the girl, etc. And what do we find? We find something very interesting. That what does Eliezer do before he even finds out who the girl is? He gives her first of all the jewelry. Then he asks her who she is. And when she says that she's from, uh, come on, uh, Avram's family, what does he say in chapter 24, Pasuk 27? Bayomer, Eliezer says, Baruch Hashem, thank you, God, Elokei Adoni Avraham, ozav chazdo who has not literally withheld his chesed and emes, Mayim Adoni, from my master. Now, there's no question about it that Eliezer is not expecting any kind of return from here. But what do we see? That he's talking about her pure and genuine altruism, not asking or expecting anything in return. So what we find over there with Rivka, is truly an example of chesed MS. And that's how the Sefurno in his commentary on chapter 24, of 22, says exactly the point. Ra'ah, Eliezer sees, that she wasn't waiting for a tip, she wasn't expecting anything, certainly not the jewelry that came. So if you ask yourself why, why does the Torah have to devote so much to the chapter of finding a bride for Yitzchak, it's not only to teach us how important it is to choose the proper mate in marriage, but it's teaching us a very important principle in Chesed, namely that your Chesed should emulate that of Rivka, Rivka Imenu, which is Chesed Shel Emes of the highest order, and so too we find in the beginning of Sefer Yoshua, In chapter 2, we are taught that Yoshua sends Meraglim, he sends spies, two of them, Kolev and Pinchas, and we are taught that Rachav hides the two spies and she saves their lives. At which point, starting with Pasuk Yudbeis in chapter 2, she requests of them that they should swear to her that just as she has done chesed with them, they too will do chesed with her family by saving them when the Jewish people conquer the land. And what do they respond to her? The Meraglim in They respond to her and they say that when Hashem gives us the land, we will do with you Not chesed, which is what you're asking for, but chesed v'yemes. And the Mitzudah's David teaches that they responded that unlike you, who are certainly performing chesed, but looking for reciprocation in kind, namely, that we will do for you what you did for us, we will extend to you chesed in its pristine form, namely, without Reciprocation, to quote the Mitzudas David, Beli tashlum gemul. Now I believe that if we take a moment just to ask ourselves what the term ms means, all right? So I'm going to refer you to the second chapter of Mora Nevuchim, whereby the Rambam responds to the following question. At first glance, it seems bizarre that when Adam defies Hashem, and he eats from the forbidden fruit, what happens to him? He's, quote, punished by being rewarded for his transgression. What does that mean? After all, the unique characteristic that separates man from the animal is his intelligence. So is it not strange that after defying Hashem, Adam is rewarded with the knowledge of Tov and Ra? The Rambam answers and says, no, he got it all wrong. He says, indeed, Adam had knowledge prior to his eating. As we're told in chapter 1 of Baratheon, that he was created B'Tselem Elohim, which... Barachias Rabbah, in chapter eight, paragraph eleven, explains it to mean Lahavin ulah skill to understand and to gain wisdom, which means that he had wisdom. He understood what Hashem was communicating to him. So he had wisdom, therefore continues the Rambam and says that, watch, prior to Adam sinning, his level of intelligence was absolute. His level of intelligence was in the realm of MS and sheker, true and false. Now, unfortunately, that Adam imbibed the knowledge of tovarah, his original knowledge was on a much higher level, His original knowledge was objective, and now, unfortunately, his life was in the gray area of subjectivity. I'll give you a good example to clarify this point. For one man to hit another, I'm hoping that everybody is going to agree, is bad. And that's a true statement. A man should not hit another man. However, if you tell two men to put on shorts, to put on sneakers, and gloves, and now you call it boxing, now you call it a sport, all of a sudden now it's acceptable for one man to hit another, even though, as often times happens, it can lead to serious injury. Prior to Adam's eating, man's intelligence was objective, just like two and two is four. Similarly, his values were pure, straightforward, without subjectivity. And all this changed when he ate from the eight hadas, Tovarah, good and bad, whereby now there's much gray overshadowing the prior black and white perspective of his life. Shlomo HaMelech in Aisha Azrael refers to the Torah as Torah's chesed. And the Gemara reminds us that the Torah begins with Hashem's chesed of creating and providing clothing for Adam and Chava, and it ends with Hashem's chesed of burying Moshe. And we are commanded to do chesed as the Torah says in Parshas, that we are to go in his image, this is one of the 613 mitzvot of the Torah, to emulate Hashem, as he is the practitioner of constant chesed shel emes, meaning that all of Hashem's kindness is done with complete and total altruism, as the Ramchal says, in his derech Hashem, that derech hatov meaning the nature of the good one is to extend goodness. Hashem created a magnificent world, showers mankind with abundant blessings every second, as we say every morning, Pokivrim, Bar Hashem we can see, Malbisha thank God, Matirasurim, kefufim Fufim, alamayim all of these functions that we take for granted every moment, and only when unfortunately, God forbid, one of them is acting in a deficient fashion. Ah! only then do we realize his constant chasadim that he does for us. But take a look. How does Hashem do chesed? It's all chesed shal emes, meaning without needing or expecting anything in return. Therefore, before we perform a chesed, be it p'kocholim in person or on the telephone, nichamaveilim in person or on the telephone, kalah, all of the different chasodim that we are privileged to be able to do, one should ideally say, I'm about to fulfill the mitzvah of emulating Hashem. And therefore, one should strive to extend help whenever possible, anonymously, not to not leaving the recipient of your kindness with a feeling of indebtedness to you. The fellow down the block, unfortunately, is out of a job, and he needs money. Plan A: I knock on the door, I say so and so, here's the envelope. I hope it. I know it's going to help you with your family, supporting them for the next week or two. That's Plan A. But Plan B is the Chesed Shalemis. I put it under the door. I ring the bell and run away. He doesn't know who dropped it. He doesn't have that feeling of indebtedness to me. A beautiful story to prove this a card to reflect this message well. A boy with dyslexia and special needs was taught for many months the wrong Haftorah. When the family realized the mistake, it was much too late to even attempt to teach him the correct one. They asked the late Rav Shlomo Orbach, if anything could be done in order to help out this boy. And he ruled that the boy should read the Torah he studied on his Shabbos. He instructed the father to tell the Gabbai and the Tsibor, the congregation, that this was in accordance with Shlomo Zalman's teaching. Anticipating, however... That the congregation might be troubled and concerned regarding the legitimacy of the Psach, the aged rabbi, close to 80 years old, walked from Sanhedria, excuse me, from Sharet Reitzedek to Sanhedria over an hour to personally be present for the reading of the Haftorah. Now, what could Rabbi Shlomo Zalman have anticipated to receive from the family? but rather he exuded and taught all of us how we are to perform chesed v'emes, chesed of the highest order. My friends, COVID has hit all of us in a most devastating way, and among the many harsh consequences has been the imposed social distancing, which has manifested itself in disallowing one to have Shabbos and Yom Tov guests. Too many individuals who live alone and who are isolated by the pandemic have suffered greatly from this imposition. And it behooves us to therefore act as Avraham Avinu, who has are taught in Avost Rav Nassan, chapter 7, paragraph 1, which compares and contrasts the chesed of Avram and Eov. Eov responded generously to all who came to his home and asked for food and shelter. But in contrast, Avram Avinu initiated Chesed by searching for guests, providing them with Chesed V'emes. And we too must follow Avram's way to extend our concern and compassion in finding creative ways during these especially times. Shabbat Shalom to all. (imitation) Agoelosi
0: Amalach Agoelosi Nikoro Yivorech Sani Vikorevorem Shin
4: Amalach
0: Amalach Shame of the shame of all the shame of Shallow <laughs> a la cambe simha o vet am se
1: J.M. in the AM, Eitan Freilich with uh, Bowie Kala here on a... Um, excuse me, not Eitan Freilich. That was Micha Gamerman, right? Oh, hope I have that right. <laughs> J.M. in the AM, thanks for joining us. Oh, maybe it was Eitan Freilich. Let's see. There's got to be a way to find that. No, it was Micha Gamerman. All right. Micha Gamerman, Bowie Kala here at J.M. in the AM. <laughs> Don't forget car Women's League. Makar Disability Services has their big event Sunday night. Join us, everyone, because um, because we need you to continue to support great institutions that are taking care of those who are in need in our community. Go to macardisabilityservices.org for information, macardisabilityservices.org. The work of Women's League, Macar, is well known, and now you have a chance to make a difference on Sunday and Monday, January the 3rd and 4th, right now, Sunday and Monday. This weekend, um, they will have their charity campaign. I will be doing a live event Sunday night beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Joey Newcomb and Benny Friedman are part of it, so you know it's going to be exciting. Go to charity.com slash C-H-A-R-I-D-Y, charity.com slash dot charity.com slash for details. And we look forward to uh, speaking to you Sunday night live from their uh, smack in the middle of the campaign event starting at 8 p.m. on Sunday evening. Should be a uh, a fun and uh, please God a very successful event. Candle lighting at 419 in New York. Kedem presents the Arab of Shabbos show beginning at 10 a.m. Kedem presents the Arab of Shabbos music mix all day and Kedem presents the final hour at about 3.15 Eastern time this afternoon. Thank you, Mark Zomick and thank you, Ked. Kedem. More coming up. It's JM and the AM, and time to say good Shabbos.
5: The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees.
0: Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. say good job
5: cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the holy one say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine man and his creator it's a very special sign Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos
0: Well in
1: Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. round the World Web and com and the NachomSegal Network. And, of course, anybody love it, NSN app. Wraps up a great week. Thank you to everybody. Happy 2021. And thanks to everybody who gave great year-end and beginning-of-the-year donations. Already I could say that. Beginning-of-the-year donations. Much Appreciate it, to say the least. Um, Naomi Nachman is next. Brand new edition of Table for Two. Coming up, her guests inc- include Donnie Klein, founder of Yeah, That's Kosher.com, and Debbie Sandler, creator of Joy of Chalav. 10 o'clock for the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by Kedem. Erev Shabbos music mix all day long, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. 3.15 Eastern Time for the final hour brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Sigal with Avrami. Mat this Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time with JM Sunday. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend till Monday. Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.